Hey, welcome everybody to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my best friends on this world, in this planet. Uh, they're my only friends. Uh, I love these guys. Richard. <laughs> Roar! <laughs> and Michael. Meow. Oh, 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 little kitty cat. These guys debate and deliberate many different things. And this week, the episode, uh, the, the, the topic they're going to discuss is lions. Did I choose this? I think I chose this. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. I don't know if this is from the brain of Jeffrey Hopkins. <laughs> I remember how fun, much fun we had with horses. And so <laughs> <laughs> rather than jump to just other Monopoly tokens, um, I... Mount Rushmore of Thimbles. <laughs> yeah, Thimbles, Looking forward to that one. <laughs> top top hats. Uh, I just thought about how um, lions are used symbolically and humorously, and they have... Um, accolades and royalty in attributed to them and stuff like that. And so I thought it'd be fun. So Michael goes first. What's your first line? Uh, my first line is a cowardly lion, but, oh. not, but, but not the cowardly lion. My oh. first choice is oh. Lambert, the sheepish oh. lion. Oh, also, wow. on my, also on my list. Wow. Oh, is, oh great. Uh, a 1952 cartoon written by um, one of my favorite children's authors and um, kind of cartoonists and kind of longtime uh, Disney guy, Bill Pete. Uh, it feels very much like a Bill Pete story. If you've read any of his other kind of work, um, like um, Cirrus, the Unsinkable Sea Serpent, or um, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, the Wingding Dilly, any of that, any of like the stuff that he writes is very, very silly. There's like these kind of down home morality tales. And um, Lambert is about uh, a lion that's accidentally dropped off by the stork. Um, to a mother uh, sheep. And so he grows up as uh, basically a sheep, just, you know, kind of fish out of water sort of tale. Not uh, just any stork, by the way. Oh, sure. It's the, um, it's the, uh, uh, the Dumbo stork, right? Yes. Hmm. So a little bit of continuity in the uh, Disney verse. Wow. <laughs> uh, they should really get into the, into the, the whole Disney, the, the Disney CU. DCU, yeah, oh, yeah. No, don't get involved there. <laughs> um, but it's a you know it's a wonderful story about how he's this huge coward of a lion, and then he ultimately has to kind of um, overcome his fears and save his his ma from uh, <laughs> a, a wolf or a spoilers coyote or something yeah. wolf I think, and um, just great. It's got a great song. It's got Sterling Holloway doing voices. It's got uh, a lion you know, coming into his own and being prideful at the end. Prideful. I get it. I see what you did there. Very good, Michael. <laughs> Very good. So uh, this story goes against the archetype of Lion and teaches us uh, about the courage that we can all manifest within ourselves and also how it's kind of like ugly duckling kind of a little bit right oh for sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah uh, there's a there's a little bit of a aesop's fables yeah parable sort of thing to it i wonder if they were competing with the fractured fairy tales um any of the jay ward uh rocky and bullwinkle kind of non-sensory um although i'm sure uh, with the uh, three little pigs and things like that uh disney attacked fairy tales a lot sooner than than those guys did but. Well, June Foray did make the voices of the sheep. Oh, is that right? So there's your there's your connection to the world of of Rocky and Bullwinkle there. Ah, that's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, uh, and that, and also, by the way, the wolf is not just any wolf. It's the wolf from the Peter and the Wolf segment from Make Mine Music. It is. It's the same character model and whatnot. Yeah, so it just goes to show you how lazy Disney was being around <laughs> their shorts in the mid-50s. <laughs> just kind of reusing whatever stock uh-huh. characters they had laying around. Putting those guys to work. They were unemployed for a while. <laughs> Got them back in there. I was re- reading an article about a twi- it was the last episode of the Twilight Zone and it was uh after I think we'd all kind of figured out the formula of the Twilight Zone in which maybe it's an object that can stop time or an object that has mystical properties or some people who go through some transformational doorway or something like that but this was a swimming pool and then once they go in the swimming pool and they come out they're in an idyllic kind of place maybe maybe they're dead I don't know but it's idyllic once they come out and June Foray had to dub in the voices of the little girl because the location audio was so messed up. Um, so this character has a different voice in the first half than they do in the second half. And it's because uh, the audio was so bad and they couldn't get the little girl back. And so June Foray had to pinch hit. So what a talented lady. Well, maybe that's maybe that's what happened when we went through the pool. Maybe she swallowed enough uh yeah, you know, chlorine and it just really <laughs> fucked up the vocal cords yeah. too. So do lions have a real identity they are they known for being truly ferocious or are they actually just is that kind of a characteristic do they deserve the accolade the t- king of the jungle do they deserve the brave accolade do we know do we watch a nutch you know who uh, you know who who doesn't mess with uh you know who lions don't mess with hyenas oh is that right <laughs> yeah hyenas are vicious and lions will not mess with them they will, they will they will back away from a pack of hyenas. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Probably pretty smart. I think, I think at some point, you know, uh, 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago, there was someone that determined that the male lion is the most regal looking thing. So they were going to yeah. kind of imprint, um, you know, a lion's courage and prowess on them. Uh, they didn't do the research because like all the female lions actually do the hunting and yeah. it's the male lions that basically... Uh, you know, uh, eat a bunch, sleep all day, mm-hmm. <laughs> fight with other male lions, <laughs> hump around. Yeah. But um, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of projected masculinity onto a lion. Okay. That, uh, rather than them actually being the roughest and toughest. I mean, they're not yeah. even the biggest cat. I mean, a, you know, tigers bigger mm-hmm. than lions. Some tigers are huge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, I love I love it when we kind of discover um, what a story is uh, a metaphor for. I wonder if this something in this era was uh, um, needed to be communicated, like his post-industrial um, man who is <laughs> so far from their um, roots as uh, hunter-gatherers and whatnot. Maybe uh, uh, people live out living out in the suburbs in Long Island, then they have to go into town to try to be a madman or try to try to uh, work in the schmata as a schmata in the garment industry or something like that. And this story was appealing to them at the time, maybe um, the emasculization of the American male. I don't know. Maybe I'm overanalyzing. Okay, uh, Richard, what is your second choice? My second choice. Richard the Lionhearted. The, is me. Uh-huh. No. No, my second choice is the lion as the symbol of the Rastafaris. Oh, nice. great. I knew, um, I knew a tough gong would jump in here. So. Yeah. So at some, at some point, Bob Marley would rear his yeah. uh, 
his ganjus reeking head. Uh, no, the uh, the lion is the symbol of the Rastafari culture, and uh, it's very closely tied to uh, Haley Haley Selassie, who is referred to as the conquering lion of Judah. He was the emperor of uh, Ethiopia from 1930 until 1940, and then 47 or so until 1975. Um, and he is, the Rastafarians believe that Haile Selassie is God reincarnated and that he would return Africa to members of the black, return to Africa members of the black community who were living in exile. And it's all tied up with uh, sort of the ideas of Marcus Garvey. Who was a political activist who wanted, who was all about the repatriation of blacks who had been sold into slavery back to Africa. And I, I always find interesting about that is Haley Selassie uh, is sort of outside of the religion. He never actually said, like, yes, I am the reincarnation of God or anything oh. like that. He never claimed to be the leader of the Rastafarians. Hmm. But they sort of saw his some of the statements he was making about uh, that he was the, some when he became emperor of Ethiopia, he claimed himself to be king of kings, lord of lords, and the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. And they took that, a lot of Rastafaris took that to mean that Marcus Garvey's vision of someone bringing black people back to Africa was going to be fulfilled through him. Now, he also never explicitly said that he wasn't, which I think was very, <laughs> very, very, at, at best, political on his part, if at worst, sort of misleading, you know, in private, you know, talking to Michael Manley, who was the longtime prime minister of Jamaica, he sort of said, I don't really understand why, you know, I don't understand it, but I'm not, at the same time, he never really debused anyone of the notion of who he was and the uh, dreadlocks. I did not know this, but when I was doing the research, the dreadlocks that Rastafaris wear are supposed to be the symbol of the uh, lion's mane. Wow. Oh, that's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. So I found that, I found that interesting. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, I mean, anytime you hear anything about, you know, you hear a, a reggae song and they talk about a lion or something like that, they are referring to the symbol of their religion. Wow, that's really uh, that's really fascinating. Do you you were describing the demeanor of the lion earlier, Michael, as maybe one who is preserving his energy for potential attack? So that almost seems to fit into the Jamaican culture, maybe the Rasta. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, what's your second, Michael? Oh, mine is a super dumb one. Just, I'm just I'm just prepping I'm just prepping you. Okay. Are you ready? It is the drawing of uh, David St. Hubbins as the Leo the Lion in This Is Final Time. Oh, wow. I'm looking that up right now just to remind myself. (laughs) I mean, I have it in my head, but... Yes, of course. There's an amazing scene when, uh, you know, the the band is in Dire Straits and they're trying to figure out what to do next. The band is not Dire Straits. It's Spinal (laughs) Tap. That's a different band, Michael. Uh, they're trying to figure out what to do next. They're getting gigs canceled left and right. And uh, David St. Hubbins girlfriend, uh, Janine's comes over from uh, England and she's trying to offer up just anything to kind of um, 
give them a new look and a new direction. So she pulls out all these uh, drawings based on their astrological signs. And she has one for um, <laughs> Nigel. Uh, she has one for uh, Harry Shear, which is um, kind of like this crab creature. She has one for, uh, <laughs> for uh, Nigel Tufnell, which is like this kind of um, a goat man. She has one for uh, Viv Savage, which is uh, kind of like a yin and yang. And then she pulls out the final one which is uh, the David St. Hubbins, like regal lion. And um, it's, the scene is great because, the, you know, three of the guys are into it. And of course, um, uh, Nigel is against anything that she says or does. But these drawings <laughs> just get progressively like weirder and stupider. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, uh, David St. Hubbins as a character has this kind of big blonde mane of hair that kind of frames his face. And he feels very lion-like. And um, just this picture that she pulls out, it's just, it's, it's a small drawing or, you know, it's kind of uh, 11 by 17, whatever. And he just looks the best of them all. And you, at that moment, you could, I could just, you could feel just the hate start to pour out of <laughs> Nigel's character. It's just like everyone else kind of looks like a goon or some monster. And he's just this, this gorgeous regal beast of a person. And of course, you know, it leads to the fight with um, the manager and he, walks out of it. all this stuff it's like they're not going to paint themselves up you know kind of uh nightly in a kiss fashion yeah uh, but uh just I, I just great just amazing representation of all of their characters and ridiculousness and i don't know it's just it's 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 a it's a small detail that you kind of have to pick up on the fact that that david st hubbins like you said his looks like it was done by a disney animator yeah. <laughs> and the other ones look like they were done by like a a 13-year-old art student. Yeah, definitely there's Napoleon Dynamite type uh feelings behind all of it. Uh you know, he's spent 7 hours on your you know, drawing your upper doing the shading on your upper lip. But... <laughs> there were so many performers who were playing it even drier than the spinal tap than our main characters, it feels like that helped create the framework for that, for them to be, you know, ridiculous. And, you know, they were kind of in this unflinchingly kind of deadpan kind of mode that uh, Marty DeBerge, AKA Rob Reiner, must have hopefully directed them all to kind of take it, take it seriously and let these guys be even more believable because the people who are surrounding them mimes notwithstanding are so believably dry, you know, and not winking at the camera. <laughs> so, wow. What a great, what a great, uh, lion. Well, uh, I'm not lying. We're at a halftime. Mm. And, um, this time around, um, I've, uh, nominated Richard Manfredi to implore you. Cause I, be I beg every week and Richard, <laughs> you beg, uh, them, to give us some kind of topic that we can chew on. A nice, yummy, something we can sink our teeth into. As like as like a lion that we can sink our teeth into. Yeah, not a lamb. Yeah. No, we need topics. But otherwise, you're going to, next week, next time it might be tigers, might be <laughs> capybaras. We're just going to go, we're just going to go through the animal yeah. phylum, folks, if you don't, if you don't send us our topics. Yeah. That's the best thing. Now, we, we, we love doing other people's topics. Obviously, we love coming up with our own topics, and we have a great time with it. But I think some of our favorite episodes have been ones that we've done that other people have suggested to us. Mm -hmm. 
and sometimes we even convince those people who suggest those topics to come on the show with us and help us debate and deliberate. And that's always a blast. And we haven't had a chance to do that in a while. So please yeah, you don't, let us know. You yeah. don't have to be a famous person. Let us make you famous. That's true. In the way you that can, we've been desperately trying for ourselves for five or six years. You, you can see what it's done to some of the other people who have been on the show in the past. Yeah. Well, they've gone into seclusion. <laughs> Witness protection. Witness protection. Which is a, fame, a, a sort of fame in its own way. <laughs> Uh, this is a side note. Um, this seems like the kind of thing that we would uh, um, discuss. You know, uh, found an article about the rise, flop, and fall of the comb over. Like, maybe we should do comb over, comb owners. I'm going to tell the audience the bad topics that we might do unless they intervene. Uh, <laughs> sort of a threat. <laughs> uh, hip hop, famous hip hop beats. Uh, I was thinking about the. Um, That's not a bad one. If we can find a way to. For me, if I can find my drum machine and I can program oh, yeah. in some of the beats, so that way get we the can, 808. That way we can get around the the copyright laws. Oh yeah, then yeah, I think okay. we'd be in good shape. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, there's a fun guy out on TikTok who identifies the obscure sporting events in movies and TV shows, like whatever's playing in the background. He goes to find the the um, AFL game or you know whatever whatever game it was that they were watching that's like crazy 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 usfl he found a usfl game that somebody was watching in the back of a episode of west wing or something like that like this that's his that's his hobby that's his hobby all right uh winfield what just is did you, the last one just did the last one okay um uh richard what's your third my third one is uh, let's talk about the lion exhibit at the zoo. Oh, okay. Which can't, oh, you seem disappointed by this, Jeff. Oh, it's just an uh, animal. <laughs> These things are never always grim. <laughs> That's okay. The, the, the lion exhibit at the zoo is the most scattershot uh, experience <laughs> of anything at the zoo. I just went to the LA Zoo this weekend and there's no lion, there are no lions there. So I didn't have to experience this. But I remember when they did have lions, 95% of the time when you saw the lions, man, they were crashed out. Yeah. They were doing what I wanted to be doing instead of being at the zoo at the <laughs> 100 degree heat at one in the afternoon. They were taking a nap. <laughs> now, there is like a 5% chance you're going to go there and the lions are going to be in full voice and running around and roaring. And when they are, it's amazing. Yeah. But most of the time you show up and you get really excited because lions are one of the big things you want to see at the zoo. You know, it's the king of the jungle and it's Simba, you know? Yeah. It's all this, And you get there and there, you can kind of see them in the corner and they're they're The two of them are curled up together, passed out. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some idiot next to you like going, come on, why aren't they doing anything? Roar. <laughs> Why don't you roar? Like if they <laughs> roar at them, the lion's yeah. going to think, oh, there's another lion in here now. What is that lion doing outside? I should get up and investigate. Do you think yeah, he he broke out? He made it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow he got over this. How do you get out there? Drop. He's yeah. on the other side. Do you think it's the doofuses that the lions are, are, are making them even more weary and thus un, 
uninterested in, in lioning and performing and preening and primping because of the doofuses on the other side of the bars? Possibly. I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I just think lions are very lazy by nature. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, if I remember correctly, I mean, they hunt at night for the most uh-huh. part. They are, they are mainly, I don't want to say they're quite nocturnal, but they, mm-hmm. what, binaural, I think is the word for it. Okay. Where they, they, they spend most of, they spend most of their time. They split their time between the day and the night, but for them, they spend most of their active time at night, which makes sense because yeah. you're in Africa, it's 120 degrees yeah. during the day. Why would you want to be out hunting when it's hot? <laughs> I just love the idea that there's a lot of animals who never got the idea that the, the lions are up at night, like the zebras. Hey, it's dark. No, we made it, guys. We made it. We made it, it to nighttime. <laughs> we made it to nighttime. Now we can roam freely about the savanna. Yes. <laughs> oh, I forgot these guys hunt at night. Ow! 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 ow. <laughs> is it because their their laziness is a counterpoint to their reputation? Like this is the most um, dangerous, dramatic, yes, animal. In the, yeah. So it's it's more profound. So if it's like a sloth, you're like, well. He do what he do, right? But yeah, sloth, yeah, sloth's gonna sloth. Sloth's gonna sloth. <laughs> but yeah, when, is, when it's is a, it the animal that, that has the most expectation thrust upon it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone expects the lion to preen and uh, you know some, somewhere pomp and circumstance is playing, and that the lion is doing things and mm-hmm. acting about. But in reality, it's just it wants yeah. to lie in the shade and flap its tail around and. It is absolutely. Well, you just see those uh, gifs, or I see like an image of a female lion just roaring in the face of a male lion, and him kind of, kind of flinching and kind of cowering. It just seems like all this projected male mas- masculinity that we have um, upon that poor guy. Um, yeah, let's let's do that. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, who's always who's a go, who's a who's a, a at the zoo, who's a ringer? Like, like, like you mean like something that you don't expect to be? Well, you go if if the line disappoints you, you think, well, let's go to the lemurs. They always like they always bring it. Disappointed, yeah, mm. yeah. You know, well, the monkeys, yeah, monkeys are always running around, swinging and yeah, cleaning each other. And I would say any of your your monkeys or or lower apes. Or okay. generally, you're in good shape with those. Meerkats, otters, flamingos, always doing flamingo stuff. Yeah, mir- otters is a good shout. I know mm-hmm. otters is a favorite of mine. Okay, I would say I would say this: the orangutan doesn't disappoint, even when it's mostly just like lying on its back, <laughs> sixty feet away on a net, and you can barely see it. Because like you don't expect you don't expect them to be like doing King Louis stuff from like, yeah. Like the jungle, like it's you're just like you've accepted it. It's like yeah, you're gonna kind of see like this weird dude. It's just gonna, it's you know, it's like this old hippie, this old fat guy that's lying about. And you're just like, yeah, I I know what your vibe is, man. It's cool. Just stand there, kind of slowly eat whatever melon you're you're eating. Put your finger up your nose. It's 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 the Jerry Garcia of the animal (laughs) world. Is what you're saying. That's so funny. Okay, Michael Winford. Okay, my um my third one is a five in one. It Ooh. is the Voltron Lion bots from the Oh wow. Uh, <laughs> nice. 
cartoon and the amazing toy Voltron, um, based on a like a Japanese um, cartoon that was called like Beast King Go Lion because the Japanese always <laughs> name things like that. Like I think that if you go to the zoo, that's what they call lions. They just uh, Beast oh, King yeah. Go Lion. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Doesn't have a regular name, but um, Voltron is such an amazing visual. And I love the, at least the original um, lions. They all were just all were different lions that combined to make a giant lion fighting man. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I remember my cousin had like these kind of imported kind of die cast metal lions that would actually click together. Their tails would click in on the arm sockets and the head would swivel down. And um, I think just the visual of like this, this giant thing that has this headpiece mouth that opens in a very kind of um, classical, almost uh, oh Herculean way, or like Alexander the Great, some sort of like um, someone who has defeated a lion and is wearing his skin, but he's actually the lion itself to reveal this face, this kind of uh, kind of pristine, uh, classically carved sort of face underneath. I did, I just love it. I just. Um, uh, I oh, I remember always being like disappointed when um, there would be like other iterations of Voltron, and it was like the cars would cram mm-hmm. together to make a giant robot. It's like mm-hmm. get those cars out of here. I want beasts. I want a lion <laughs> making itself into a robot, not a submarine and a helicopter yeah. and whatever else you got going on. Where did you? What age were you when you were introduced to this? Well, I know the cartoon came out around like 84, 85, but I must have seen it probably sometime after that. You know, I'd only seen like a dubbed American version with like the, whatever the dopey people were, like Hunk and uh, Keith and whatever they were called. The, 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 the stupid Americanized version of it. They'd fight their, I don't know, space emperor, whatever they did. But I must have been, you know, right around that same age. And my cousin must have had an early version of it because I remember being, he's a few years older than me and being just really impressed by, you know, before he had turned into a teenager and right in that kind of super great realm where you have an older cousin that's like 11. So probably, I would say, uh, right around Mm -hmm. that time, 84, 85, something like that. Wasn't, was there no kid like, you know, one of the funny things in the movie big is when tom hanks uh becomes a kid and then gets a job at the toy company and he has this kind of kid logic about what toys are interesting and i think is it john lovitz or somebody has a toy that's made up of of buildings and and uh there's just that sense that innate sense of play that kids have like a lion that turns into a big robot like that's cool because it combines two things that maybe don't go together but they're still cool it's like pizza yeah, that turns no, into a robot. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody actually wants like the Trump Tower to turn into a robot. They yeah. want to <laughs> yeah. turn into a robot and walk into the Hudson Bay and yeah. sink for it. Uh, your final is it Richard. Is this your last? Yes, my last okay. one. It is wow. the it is the nineteen eighty one comedy Roar. Uh, it is a film directed by, written, produced, and directed by Noel Marshall, who was the husband of uh, Alfred Hitchcock muse Tippi Hedren, who also stars in the film along with Hedren's uh, daughter, Melanie Griffith, and Marshall's sons, who play supporting roles. 
And if you guys have not heard about this movie, it is the most batshit crazy story of a movie you will ever hear. Um, basically, it was filmed with a cast of dozens of wild, untrained lions, tigers, elephants, and other wild animals. Oh my goodness. Who proceeded to, who were not trained, like I said, to act in the film. These weren't like, you know, professional stunt lions. And they proceeded to, it's been called the most dangerous movie ever made. Oh, wow. Apparently, more than 70 people were injured during the five-year filming of this movie, which is, again, marketed as a comedy. (laughs) Uh, Some of the injuries, uh, young Melanie Griffith wound up having her getting slashed and had to have plastic surgery near her eye. Hmm. Uh, Tippi Hedren got gangrene and needed skin grafts. Uh, Marshall got blood poisoning. And the cinematographer, who was John DeBont, who wound up directing Speed and Twister, wow. got, got scalped and needed 120 oh. stitches. Oh. And a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff that happened is in the film. But, oh. it's, but it's played as a comedy. There's like background, the background music is all jaunty and almost like a Max Senate sort of like silent film comedy. I I can't explain how weird it is. <laughs> the, I'll 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 see if I can get the trailer up on our on our Facebook page or up yeah. on our social medias. Yeah. Um, it's just the the personification of a bad idea done poorly. Wow. You know, it's it's I I encourage everyone to do more reading on it. I'm doing a piss poor job of explaining how insane this movie really is. Uh, there's a really good New Yorker article about it when the when the uh, re-release came out through Alamo Road Alamo Roadhouse. They did a a, a big story on it, and um, yeah, it's just it's a, it's it's out there, man. I thought I saw pictures of Melanie Griffith kind of reclining by the pool with her pet lion. Well, because Tippi Hedren and her husband uh, oh, yeah. have, Tippi Hedren has the the big, that sort of sanctuary. sanctuary. I can't remember the name of the sanctuary, but it's up in Soledad Canyon. And yeah, that's kind of where the genesis for the movie came from is they were literally living with dozens of, I, I guess they were animals who had been used in previous movies. So they were like rescues. Yeah. Um, so they weren't completely untrained, but they didn't have like, it wasn't the same thing as having like an animal trainer on set and mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. I mean, obviously with all the injuries that happened, this is the ASP. This is before the ASPCA got involved with uh, wow. supervising film shoots. Clearly. Wow. Um, okay. Michael, what's the last one? Uh, my last choice is Leo the Lion, the MGM uh, right logo of this lion that has been um, kind of on and off, mostly on since like 1919, since before it was actually MGM and it was just um, uh, known as Goldwyn Pictures. But uh, this little kind of lion has been the focal point of this production company for, you know, nigh mm-hmm. on 100 years. 
and um, it has had many different lions over the years roaring or not roaring as it was in the beginning. I watched like a supercut of like um, the MGM logo that took like 10 minutes. And at first there's just like this black and white lion that's just like looking bored the way that lions look <laughs> in real life, like surrounded by like regalia and everything. And then eventually in like the 1930s or uh, maybe late twenties, it starts roaring and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I know that line. Mm-hmm. But um, the premise of the lion is um, kind of kept on for a hundred years. It comes out and it's very proud and roars. Um, but the lion itself has changed. Um, the original one was named slats. Uh, then it became Jackie and Bill and Telly and Coffee and Tenor and all these different George and Leo. All these different lions have come in to fill the role of this, um, you know, very boastful lion. Um, and uh, over the years, they've also uh, had a lot of like parody versions of the lion, like Tom and Jerry in front of a cartoon. Jerry the mouse would roar oh, yeah. like the lion or um, uh, the... Uh, the Marx brothers uh, did a parody where they came out and started to roar themselves, except for um, of course, Harpo who just kind of honked a horn. But um, you know, I, when I, the first thing I thought of with this lion was like this kind of um, parade of this guy introducing whatever movie um, was coming next. That's pretty cool. I just just picture the tail being cranked to get him to roar. (laughs) That's That's funny. Yeah. They, uh, the opening of uh, what's uh, who, who are those two Canadian guys? Oh yeah, Strange Brew. It's Strange Brew. Uh, they, yeah, yeah they, they, there was a, a, a snippet at the beginning of their movie where they come around the the corner and the the lion kind of you know breaks the fourth wall and they're sitting there they're just kind of messing with the lion's tail. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of specifically. Okay. That, that's a it's, it's a favorite. That was a favorite movie of mine. As a as a kid, mm-hmm. never seen it. Oh, Michael, you owe it to yourself. You owe you owe it to yourself to see Strange Brew. It's a fantastic, weird, and stupid, deeply stupid movie featuring mm-hmm. featuring Max Van Sydow, uh clearly just cashing in a paycheck, but <laughs> but still being very good at it. Oh, I will put it on the list of things to try to find. Yeah, hopefully, I imagine. Hopefully, it's already been paid for or like free out there somewhere. Yeah. To some persons, this idea of Bob and Doug McKenzie, if they even would think about them as a comedy duo, for me, I think if somebody were to suggest that to me after the window of interest, it might be like when people tell me about Rick and Morty. I kind of go, yeah, okay. (laughs) Right. I'm sure that's great. Um, You enjoy that. But yeah, um, uh, it's Hamlet. And um, on on in the beer industry, right? <laughs> Essentially, yeah, it's basically yeah. a beer version of Hamlet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. All right, so guys, we did it. <laughs> no, cool. I was trying Whatever. to think if there was any kind of loop back because as soon as you said Bob and Doug and Roar, I started to think about um, uh, Wizard of Oz and the Cowardly Lion. You know, the MGM thing and how as a kid i think the first time i ever saw the mgm one of the first mgm films i remember seeing was the wizard of oz who has the line at the beginning and the line in the movie i'm just rambling um okay so let's do some rating let us go with just due to um injuries and the amount of sacrifice let's go to go with roar 
Um, and then I'm really digging the David St. Hubbins lion. And, and obviously, because you both chose it, Lambert, the sheepish lion. But um, let's finish it off with our buddy Leo. The lion. Okay. All right. Folks, uh, we're just doing animals from the animal kingdom. I know we've got millions to go before we end up. Like we'll be uh, articulated uh, zebra. You know, I'm trying to think of like the proboscis monkey. We'll have all kinds that we can go through. But if you help us out with some topics, that would be what, great. What about, a, what about a extinct animals that aren't dinosaurs? Oh, yeah. That's actually not a bad topic. Yeah, that's a great topic. Okay. This has been the Mount Rushmore of Lions. I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 